How do you fast track your leadership career, get to the next level without adding a ton of extra stress and additional hours to your workday? That's the question Stacey Ashley and I are gonna answer for you in today's podcast. Here's the question. How do you successfully transition into your first official leadership role, build the confidence and competence to lead your team effectively, and establish yourself as a respected and trusted leader across the organization? That's the question, and this show provides the answers. Welcome to the Manager Track Podcast. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw, and I'm on a mission to create workplaces where work is not seen as a source of stress, but as a source of contribution, connection, and fulfillment. And this transition starts with developing a new generation of leaders. I'm a leadership coach, a mom of three, a coffee lover, and a travel enthusiast. Stick around because in this show, you'll learn how to think, communicate, and act to become a confident, high-performing leader people love to work with. Let's go. Welcome to this week's episode of the Manager Track Podcast. We're going to dive into how to fast track your leadership career, get to the next level, and not add a whole ton of extra stress and long hours or not unnecessary stress to your workload. With me is Stacey Ashley. She's a high-performance leadership and coaching expert. She has over 30 years of experience and helped thousands of people develop their leadership competence, confidence, and credibility. Plus, she's the author of three number one Amazon best-selling books on leadership, including the newly released Show Up, 21, just all about leadership in 2021. Stacy has four international Stevie Awards, including Coach of the Year 2019, has been nominated for the Telstra Business and Women's Award nine times, and in 2018, she was named in the Global LinkedIn Top Voices. She definitely knows her stuff, so I'm very excited to welcome her to the podcast. Now, quick note before we dive in. Unfortunately, the audio quality on my end is not great as I'm interviewing Stacy, and I apologize for that ahead of time. Nevertheless, you don't want to miss this. Stacy is sharing tons of nuggets of gold, and I'm very excited to share this with you, especially if the topics of getting more organized, delegating work, and encouraging accountability on your team are important to you. You do not want to miss this. So here we go. Stacey, so good to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us on the Manager Track podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Romana. I'm really excited to be here and have a chat with you today. Same here. I was telling uh, you before we hit recording that I was looking you up on the internet and I see all the amazing content that you put out there. So we'll definitely put all the links in the show notes because I think you have such a wealth of information to share for leaders across the ranks and I think across the industries as well. And obviously you are in Australia. so. There we go, across the globe too. <laughs> yeah, look, absolutely. So we're at other ends of the day, but it's great to be able to connect. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Tell us a little bit more about what got you into leadership development, because you have a lot of years under your belt and you've been doing this for quite some time. So I'm curious what got you into it and what kept you motivated or interested in staying in this particular field? Yeah, it's well, look, there is a long history there, but I think I don't think I've ever not been in leadership. I tell this story that I led my very first team on stage at the age of six. And so I've been sort of leading ever since, you know, during school and sport. And it was just, 
it just was always there. And of course, my dad also was a really wonderful leader. And so I think I was exposed to that from a very early age. And so while I wasn't perhaps consciously going, oh, I'm going to be a leader, I think it's just always been, you know, in my DNA almost. And so it was kind of natural that I gravitated into leadership positions in my corporate career very early. I think I led my first team at about the age of 23, maybe 22. And then they just got bigger and bigger and bigger until I got to a point in my career where I was like, you know what, there's not enough good leaders. There's just not, you know, people are not being held to a high enough standard. They're not being given the right equipment and tools and education so that they can really flourish as leaders and and really then support the people around them properly and build their teams and build capability and all the things that we want leaders to do. And so that's what really prompted me to go, I need to make a bigger difference. So I'm not just going to be a leader and be really good at it in my organisation. I'm actually going to help to elevate the practice of leadership. And so that in itself has been a journey. And so that's really what I'm what I'm here to do is to create and foster and support more great leadership as broadly as I possibly can. So clearly you have a lot of experience helping leaders navigate challenges and, and also tapping into their fullest leadership potential. When you now think about leadership, and I know that's such a big word, right? So what, what to you makes leaders be great leaders? What is it that separates someone who's a mediocre leader, a, a regular performer, average performer, compared with someone who really stands out and excels in a leadership role? Yeah, you're right. Leadership is enormous. Um, so what's the difference between being just in the role? And I, th- and I think this is actually the difference. There are people who are put into roles that are deemed to be leadership roles, but that doesn't make them a leader. They're just a position on a hierarchy, you know. And, um, and then there are people who actually put focus and effort and attention into their leadership, into figuring out how can I be a leader? How can I be a better leader? What skills do I need? How am I actually going? What do I need to you know, improve so that I'm not just holding a space on a hierarchy chart, which says leader, but I'm actually leading. So it's that whole like knowing about leadership, um, doing leadership, you know, doing things that leaders do, but also becoming a leader. So it is, I think, you know, this is just my opinion, but I think that leadership is part of you. You know, you have to think about who do I need to be to actually be a leader, you know, to support my people. So we've got this inward focus, you know, about me and how I can actually elevate myself as a leader. And then we've got this outward focus, which is about supporting and and serving the community of people that, you know, maybe are your team or it could be your family or wherever you volunteer. But, But leadership is about having attention in and attention out, I think. Yeah, I love how you phrase this because so often we're looking at leadership with that narrow definition of that's the position that you hold in an organization or in any, be this in the corporate world or outside of the corporate world. But really what, what you're saying here, and I think this comes out strongly in the work that we both do with coaching leaders is it's actually way more than just the position and just executing on the responsibilities that are on your job description. It's that inside-out approach of developing that sense of leadership, adopting that mindset of leadership and the attitude and, and wanting to become better and being aware, not just 
but how, what do I want, but also what's the impact that I have on other people and how can I consistently improve and be more intentional with the impact I have on other people? Yeah, look, I totally agree. And I love that intentional, being really conscious and conscientious of how you're showing up and and what you're contributing and how you're contributing and what else you could possibly do. What is the potential? What is the difference you could make? I think that leadership is recognizing all of those things rather than just, as you say, holding the position. You yeah. know, it, it is actually being conscious and deliberate and, and focused on your leadership. You're talking a little bit about growing as a leader and consistently and like you said it's, it's not a light switch you don't turn it on and off with a promotion it's that dimmer that you keep pushing up and making it brighter and brighter and it sounds like that's an analogy that relates to how you talk about leadership too where you develop this awareness and, and this mindset so now in in this conversation we also want to talk about what it actually takes to take your leadership to the next level and doing so not just by hustling more and doing more and more and more creating more stress for yourself and more hours in the days because we know that time is, is um, a finite resource and we want to take care of ourselves and have good relationships with people around us and have strong mental health as well. So how do you help the clients that you coach and the organizations that you support, how do you help them see leadership in a different way so that they can elevate mm. without just adding more hours to the day? Yeah, there are a range of things you can do. But I think for me, it often actually comes back to the foundations, Ramona. It's it's amazing to me. And, and typically, I work with a lot of very senior leaders more these days. Um, and leadership life is harder than it needs to be because some of those foundations weren't actually put in place earlier in their career. And some of those things that I think really make the difference in terms of hey, I just got a promotion, now I need to work, you know, an extra three hours a day to, I just got a promotion, how can I be more effective um, in the hours that I currently have, which is what we want. We don't want long hours and we don't want people that don't rest and recover. So let's get the foundations right. And so one of the simplest conversations that I have with people is, how organised are you? You know, how do you know that you're actually focusing on the right things? Because people get caught up in being busy, you know, and they get dragged into conversations or phone calls or emails. And it's really simple, but it makes so much difference to actually get that simple thing right. Get organized. Make sure that you are only focusing on the important things in your new role, whatever that, that role is. So don't get dragged into the job you used to do. Don't get dragged into conversations which other people could be having or meetings that other people could be having. You don't have to do everything. So let's get rid of that mindset. You're now, as Simon Sinek says, you're responsible for the people who are responsible for the job rather than being responsible for the job So, yeah. um, or the task. So what we want to do is to make sure that you are putting your time and attention and focus, that limited resource that you talked about, on the right things, not on everything. And that's where I would start with many, many people. Yeah, and I can imagine even people who have years of leadership experience, they still fall into the same trap, right? That don't get that foundation and that clarity, regardless of where you are in the hierarchy, it's probably something that holds you back. Yeah, absolutely. And look, it's clarity, but the other thing that goes with it is discipline. Yeah. You know, and so like you can make a great plan and you go, this is my calendar for this week. This is where I'm going to focus my attention. 
But if you're not disciplined enough to follow through, you still fall into those old habits. And so we really have to make a commitment to do it because once you kind of get the evidence behind you, you follow that kind of level of organization and, and that sort of thing. Once you realize the impact that it makes in terms of where your time goes and how much value you add, you'll never go back, but you've got to create the discipline in the first place. Yeah, so I want to talk about that some more. But before we do, what is something, if we, let's, let's imagine I just got promoted into a leadership role and I'm trying to figure out what I should focus on, but I also still have a little bit of my old job, so to speak, left. So I do mm. have some IC work and at the same time, I should now lead my entire team. And yeah. I feel stretched and pulled in all different directions. How do I actually know what to focus on and what my leadership should look like? Yeah, simple. Let's, let's keep it really simple. So when I look at what I've got, what makes the most difference mm-hmm. and what doesn't? And rather than just going everything's urgent because, you know, we know that people get driven by urgency. Urgency isn't enough. So if I go back to Covey's work, we really simply we use urgency and impact or value add. And so then I go, okay, which are the most impactful things? Mm -hmm. And so therefore, which ones do I choose to focus on? Again, rather than being dragged in, who's shouting, you know, if someone keeps saying, I need that, I need that, I need that, but it makes no difference. You know, we need to have that conversation with them to say, actually, perhaps someone else could focus on that. So I think getting really clear and yes, if you've got some hangover from your past job, containing it. So You might say, well, actually, I'm going to put this number of hours into continuing the handoff or the transition from that role. But that's it. I'm not actually going to give you three days a week for my old job because then you can't really create the momentum in your new role. So, again, it's about getting clarity and having the discipline to stick with it. I love this scenario because I've seen people go, I just need to keep doing this little aspect of my previous role you know just for the next month and then six months later they're still doing it so uh you probably see that right yeah um is to actually have a goal like by what point do you want to have handed that off Mm -hmm. and actually work towards it rather than it just being this open-ended I'll just keep doing it because I'm really nice (laughs) you're not giving yourself the best opportunity in your new role so by all means support it but have a of transition to hand it back off to where it needs to actually go so that you can fully focus on your new team and you know those important things yeah I think sometimes it's people need an approval or being validated that it's okay to let go of your old job and to delegate more even to people who are not yet at the same level that you are in terms of your expertise and so speaking of that self-discipline I think two factors that I see often come up that get in the way of them being disciplined is on one hand, actually the ego gets a little boost when we can help and fix things and be the go-to person because maybe the rest of our job just got a lot harder. And so this one thing that I'm already really good at that people come to me for that I know exactly how to do is the easiest thing on my to-do list. Mm. And so it gets an immediate gratification. Makes me feel good. It makes me feel helpful. So I might even have like a tendency to want to keep doing that. Mm unconsciously or somewhat consciously and then the other thing I see is that there's a a fear of having a difficult conversation we say this is actually not urgent right Mm. or this is actually Mm. not important Mm. or I should no longer be the one to do this 
or mm-hmm. simply saying no. Absolutely. What do you see when you do this work with helping people sort of get really clear on what they should be focusing on to get their career and their impact to the next level? Yeah, and look, I think all those scenarios you, you spoke about, look, we all see them all the time. I, I think what I find, and, and because I'm a coach and you're a coach, you, you'd appreciate this, is I encourage the leaders that I work with to use a coaching approach, even in with the most challenging conversations. So if you need to hand something off because mm-hmm. it's no longer your role, then rather than saying, you know, telling them I need to hand this off by this point in time, actually having the conversation and asking the question, at what point do you think it's reasonable for you to pick this up, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and take it back? Or it might be a different kind of question. It might be, who is going to be taking this on so I can work with them for the handover? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so we ask the questions rather than kind of giving ultimatums. That makes the conversations a lot more comfortable for everyone. We can think about options, you know, which is what we want. We want options to find a way forward. So that's the first thing. But the other thing is, of course, you have to have the conversation. So putting it off doesn't actually change your current circumstance. Procrastinating isn't going to get you where you need to go. So I find that in helping people come to terms with that is about helping them to reframe the contribution that they can make in their new role. So rather than going, I'm really nervous, I'm really scared, I'm not sure how to do those things, I'll stick to what I know and I'll hold on to that, is you know what's the opportunity for them to learn how to do that? Mm-hmm. You know How important is it imagine the contribution that you could make okay so now how do you want to go about learning so you can make that contribution so again it's just the coaching approach I think really helps people to get more clarity because you're creating space for them to consider it and to think about it rather than rushing from you know one idea to another or one task to another and not actually thinking about how do we move forward you know rather than just keeping the status quo of I'll just hold on to that old part of the job yeah yeah, and I'm hearing you say sort of keeping that bigger picture in mind mm. and the opportunity cost of saying yes and holding on to these old things Yeah. versus actually moving forward. And yeah, them. absolutely. I mean, what does holding on stop you from doing in your new role? Mm-hmm. Because you don't have time. So, yeah, get some yeah. balance into your perspective. Exactly. <laughs> it's, a, it's a heavy price to pay. Yeah, for sure. So when we think about letting go, that also brings along the fact that we need to delegate. Mm. And with delegating comes always, because I came in head, well, I delegate, but then people don't follow through. Like they, they don't do it the way that they say they're going to do it, or they, they're mm. delayed, or it's not good enough. But there's a lot of sort of fear oftentimes involved when delegating. And one of the topics that I love to talk with you about is accountability. So when you look at accountability and creating a team that is accountable or or helping Mm. employees develop a sense of accountability Mm -hmm. what's your perspective on this what's your what's your view from a leadership coach perspective yeah and look I love focusing here as well because I think this accountability piece is one of the big stumbling blocks to leaders being able to elevate and take their teams with them because while ever they're accountable for everything, they won't progress, they won't get to the strategic, they won't get to the big picture, because they're still looking down at doing the detail. So there's a few factors, I think, that are important. One is the way that we delegate, the process that we follow. And you need to, you know, think about how you're actually going to create effective delegation, which is not me saying, hey, Ramona, you need to do this by tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. That, that's because that's not a conversation, that's just a dictate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And because I don't know how much other work you've got on, I don't know whether you even know how to do the task, you know, there's a whole lot of factors. And so what we, again, coaching approach is to say, you know, to talk about this is the thing we need to achieve. How do you think you could tackle that? When could you tackle it? How could you make it a higher priority? Let's have the conversation and let's get the other person to come up with the ideas about how they could do that activity or piece of work because them coming up with the ideas and saying, well, I could do this by this point in time, that the ownership on that is so much higher than being told what to do. I mean, we, we all know that, right? We don't want to be told what to do. So yeah. if I invite you into the conversation and you come up with what you can do by when, the follow-through is going to be a lot higher. So that's the, that's the first thing is actually the process of delegation. Mm. But the second thing I think is actually being really clear about the level of expectation of what completed work actually looks like. Mm-hmm. So completed work, and I have this conversation again with my very senior leaders, com- this concept of completed staff work. Completed staff work is I give it to you as my leader and as the leader, I know it's finished. I don't need to review it. I don't need to check for com- completeness or accuracy. It is done. And I could, without looking at it, I could actually pass it on to my boss mm-hmm. confidently knowing it's done. But how often does a leader get, you know, a, a, they've delegated a task, it comes back to them and they're like, oh, gosh, and they've got to read it, they've got to review it, they've got to change it, you know, they send it back because it needs more work. Um, And so effectively, they're marking homework. You know, they're giving them a score and then saying, okay, these are the gaps you need to fill in or this is what you need to change. And that's just a waste of everyone's time. So we've got to delegate properly, but then we've got to set the expectation of this is the quality, this is the completeness, this is what we expect from a piece of delegated work and then the third thing of course is we've got to make sure people know how to do it so we've got to mentor and coach them in terms of building their capability so they can reach the expectation and so even as a new leader we have to be sharing our knowledge our expertise to help people build their capability so that might be through mentoring and guiding people on these are the steps take to do a task or this is the way that I used to do it so that they now have that that um, knowledge or it might be coaching them to say well because they've already got a base level of knowledge so how are you going to tackle this what will be your first step you know all of those coaching questions but either way we're helping our team members to build capability so that they can actually deliver to the expectation on the task that that's been delegated and they've accepted accountability for yeah that makes sense <laughs> Ah, this is so good. I just want to quickly recap because I think you just added so many uh, value bombs here. So the fact that you talked about the the difference it makes when you delegate as an, an order versus actually having that coaching conversation in asking questions. And then the, just when I was listening to you, I felt so much ownership. I felt like, oh, I'm in charge. I'm in control. And we're just having a conversation on how to make this work, but I'm in control of my, my scope of work. Such a different feeling and sentiment that I had, just even imagining being on the, on the receiving end of that conversation. Absolutely. And, I, and right, so oftentimes we talk about coaching in a, the leadership role, and there's so many aspects to influence your leadership style with coaching conversations. It's not the one sit down, one hour coaching call. 
it is really like sparking in this coaching style to different directions. I love that. Coaching moment. I call it a coaching moment. It was a coaching moment. Yeah, totally. And then the second one that you said, I also think is such a uh, common mistake that people make is that they uh, actually think that they're really helpful. It comes from great intention to review and then give feedback and then review again and give feedback. So if that comes from great intention, wanting to help and support, but it never actually sets the standard of the expectation is you do this, you complete it, and you get it to that level in the, the, that quality that I can just pass it on. The expectation is not for me to be a safety net at all mm. times, but it builds naturally when someone does it all the time, right? It naturally makes the employee feel like it doesn't have to be 100% because someone else is going to review it. Someone yeah, else absolutely. Gonna... And it's really easily done, Ramona, because that's probably how it was done with them. They, they, yeah. they did some work, their leader marked it, gave it back. They, they revised it. And so that's the only model of leadership they've seen. Uh, so it seems normal. You know, I mark the homework, I give it back. It comes back to me at a higher quality. I mark it again. I give it back. It comes back at a high quality. But actually, wouldn't life be easier if I did a really good job in the first place and then when I gave it to you, you knew it was a really good job and you really don't have to do a lot with it. Well, I think, and, and when you get to that point with your team, and, and of course, that doesn't happen in a day that takes that coaching work and it, it takes the development approach and the growth mindset. But when you get to that point, I think that also is the moment when leaders recognize they no longer have to be an expert in the field, but they can lead without really knowing all the details. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so, again, you know, we're having these same conversations, so. So one of the critical points, I think, when someone actually becomes a leader, Mm -hmm. one of the key factors to that is when they let go of being the expert. Mm -hmm. And my gosh, it's such a relief to let go of that burden of having to know the answer to everything and having to be the expert and having to be in the detail and all of those sorts of things. Your job is to help others become the expert Mm -hmm. and learn how to solve problems and produce great output and be really great at what they do. It's not to do their job for them. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, like rewind for a second, the last 30 seconds, because I think it's such a, this is a mindset shift, right? And just entertain the thoughts. What would it be like if you didn't have to be the expert leader, if you didn't have to have the answer and know it better than anyone else on the team? So freeing, so true. Love that. So Stacey, thanks so much for sharing so much of your insights and these even actionable tips here in terms of growing as a leader and really climbing the ranks, not just waiting on a promotion, but being proactive by the way that you develop clarity and then discipline to focus on what matters most, to delegate, to create a sense of accountability and ownership, to leverage coaching moments, to develop the team and all of that. As we're wrapping up this conversation, I'd love to hear any additional or particularly relevant tips that you have for leaders that are actionable, that they could say, you know what, I listened to this podcast, I'm going to go out, I'm actually going to try it. I think, you know, the the number one thing back to basics is actually have a look at where your time is going Mm -hmm. and then compare that to where it should be going to make the biggest difference and then make some decisions I think that that would be one of my simplest ones. The second one is just 
in every conversation, look for the opportunity to ask the questions that help other people to be able to move forward rather than you telling them what to do. I think that two is enough. That, that keeps you, that'll keep you busy. <laughs> Totally. And so powerful. So I definitely encourage anyone listening to go do that. Look at your calendar, look at where the time went last week, this week, today, and then finding those coaching moments as you label them, uh, Stacey. And then I've got two more questions left. One is about a book recommendation. And then one would be to tell people where to find more about you and your work. Um, gosh, look, there's so many book recommendations. I think if what I would say to leaders is just read widely. I mean, I think there's just so many opportunities and whether it's a book about leadership or coaching or psychology or just great stories of leadership, I think having that variety, leadership and learning are indispensable to each other, JFK. It's so true. We're always gathering tips and information, you know, find great people to follow on LinkedIn who publish, or um, I think variety is actually the key as opposed to a particular book. But of course, I'm going to recommend my books as well. Yes, <laughs> as well. thank you. So I've got, I've written three books, but the two that I wanted to share today were firstly is The New Leader. This is my first book. And this one was written really for very senior leaders who missed out on this early leadership education, those fundamentals that I was talking about. But it's all about how do I, how do I make that, that jump from being a member of the team to being the leader of the team? What are the tips and tricks that I need? But of course, you use them throughout your career. So it's great for early leaders, but it's great for leaders of leaders as well. And then because we've had such a challenging time over, gosh, the last year and a half, more than year and a half with the pandemic and all of the implications. And of course, the demand on leaders themselves, it's been a big challenge. We've all been leading massive transformation, you know, looking at how we run our workplaces, how do we connect our teams, all of those sorts of things. But we have to look to ourselves. How do we look after ourselves so we can continue to lead? And so I wrote Show Up 21, which was published in February this year. And that is all about giving people five key ideas to support their own leadership. And again, you know, they'll hold you in good stead forever, but they're particularly about right now when we have to lead this marathon of change, how do I keep doing that? Oh my gosh, everyone, everyone needs that. Both the fundamentals and sort of new insights and tips on how to lead through this, through this change and this transformation that we're going through. And that's not ending yet, right? So even with offices opening up or hybrid solutions, things have changed for as long as we can protect. Oh, look, I think, you know, we will never go back. It'll never be the way it was in 2019. And so, you know, I talk to my leaders and I say, you are leading a marathon of change because it will be years yeah. of, of change, you know, and transformation because yeah. we, we're, we're operating in a new world and yeah. that's okay but we do have to navigate it and we do have to keep leading because people are looking for leaders. They're yeah. looking for leadership. Everyone wants that anchor, that level of certainty that comes with clear leadership. Yeah, and it's that anchor. It's so true. Uh, and the other book that you refer to for new leaders, I often share the story of when I first started to learn synchronized swimming and I had to relearn my swim techniques because I never really had proper disciplined swim, swim training. I swam well, so I thought, but it was actually somewhat ineffective. And when you start leading for the first time, it's really important to build that foundation. 
But then for sure, if you start leading other leaders, you're then all going to look to you, your ripple effect, right? Yeah. Multiplied. And you want to make sure that you're really honing your craft and investing in that for your own sake and for your leader's sake, the ones that you manage. Love it. So we'll link to both of those books uh, in the show notes below and I encourage people to check them out. Otherwise, other than the books that we've talked about reading widely, and then the two examples that you shared and you wrote personally, where can learn people learn more about you? Look, probably the easiest to find me on LinkedIn is probably the main one. And of course, my, my website as well, stacyashley.com. And that, on that website, I saw a 28-day challenge. Tell, me, tell us more about that. Yeah, the 28-day challenge, it's, it's about leaders and boost, boosting your your own leadership performance and it's a really simple one i'm just going to send you out if you decide you want to do it is a key coaching question for 28 days to help you elevate so it's getting you more conscious of how you show up and what difference you can make in each of those days nice so building self-awareness at the core i love it so highly encourage you to check that out too it's the good questions that let us see things that we didn't see before right the starting to, starting to know what uh, we didn't know we didn't know. Yeah, I think absolutely. But it's also about creating space. Mm-hmm. You know, as leaders, we, we have lots of demands and we're super busy. But a moment spent in reflection or creative thought can make a really big difference. And so we have to allow ourselves those moments, I think. Yeah, so important. Thank you, Stacey, so much for joining us today. I so enjoyed this conversation and I will go back, listen to it and take a bunch of notes because I think you shared so many nuggets of gold here with us. And I look forward to staying in touch. Thank you again, Stacey. My great pleasure. It was a great conversation. And thank you again for the invitation. If you love this show, then you love even more my free training for new managers. If you haven't watched this training yet, then I'll strongly encourage you to sign up at RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass. You'll discover the key shifts you'll need to make as a new manager and the number one most common mistake to avoid. Plus, you'll walk away with actionable tips that you can apply in your role right away. Go to RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass to sign up.